Welcome to the Books by Authors podcast. How you doing today? I am good. I am outstanding and improving. How you doing? I'm doing well, doing well. I'm excited. So you have a huge project coming out, a book release uh, this week. How's it feel? I mean, it's only taken me like, I don't know, seven years to like get this all, you know, put together. So, you know, a little excited, a little, you know, just a tad, but uh. (laughs) Monday, you know, June 21st, 2021. I don't know when it's going to be when this releases, but that's when that releases. Allegory of the End, Volume 1. Uh, first in a long saga. But uh, yeah, we'll, we'll dive into that. Oh, absolutely. Um, where can people connect with you online? Let's get that out there first. Well, first and foremost, the easiest way is neotino.net. That's my website. That's the company website. You can find absolutely everything that you need related to me at all, my podcast, um, my books, everything that we do with the services that we provide, the author-related services, as well as our art and illustrations, everything that we have, all available on neotino.net, N-E-O-T-I-N-O.net. And then you can connect to me, with me, through Instagram, at Allegory of the End, spelled exactly like that, just at Allegory of the End, or you can just search up A-R Mirabal, they'll find me in any minute. I'm also hey. on Twitter and like, you know, all the other stuff, Reddit, but you can just find me all that with either just official Neotino or AR Mirabal. It'll come up. All right. So let's jump into the project a little bit. Um, talk to me about the book. What is the inspiration? Obviously, you come on the podcast before and talked a little bit, uh, but for the new listeners, talk a little bit about what the what this is all about. Well, that's kind of like a loaded question. Like every time I've talked to like author, that's kind of like hard to like actually summarize what your book is. Cause like, you're so close to it, but what I would kind of break it down towards, especially that I just finished like the blurb, like for all the time that I've worked on this, I just finished the blurb like last mm-hmm. week that I like finalized everything. Well, I boil it down to, is it simply two kids that get caught up in a cosmic game of chess? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, their first meet, which happens within the first chapter, seems innocuous. I mean, there, there's people when they read it that tell me that almost starts off almost like um, like a coming of age flick or like a like a YA tale, just because like a, a it starts off so innocuous. But then the moment that shit starts hitting the fan and things become real, it just ramps up. And I meant that as to be kind of what it is in, in essence, which is not only are they caught up in this cosmic game of chess, but they start realizing that their vision of reality is nowhere near what reality actually is. And I think that mm-hmm. kind of ties in a lot with what we face today, you know, especially with FOMO and Instagram, you, people that have like millions of followers that like quote unquote have millions of dollars, but in reality, they're struggling to pay their leases. You know, it's things like that, just like little weird things of reality that you almost can't believe. Like, just to go off on that tangent for a little bit, like how many times do you watch a, a video on YouTube or like a, a quick little thing on Twitter and you almost can't believe the video? Like yeah. you don't know if it's staged or if it's real, if that really happened. And like that little thing, it just is all the inspiration for the book. Just like those little things that like you, om- that to yourself is innocuous. And then you start realizing, oh, wait a minute. And you know, you start connecting the dots. And of course there's like these other large arcing things that start happening and start happen. Uh, you know, with, technology because i developed everything in the book pretty um rigorously Mm. uh with the engineering background 
I didn't math it out, but like, you know, I like really beat it up with a couple of my other engineering friends until it was like something at least semi-logical. And then it also flips to them being older because I thought that was a really important element that you're not just, you know, when you meet a person and you like really vibe in a certain way, that's like a snapshot. You never know what happens 20 years from that and like how different the relationship could like more from that point. So you have them you know, meeting each other and it's like, you know, cosmic fate type of thing. And then when they're older, they're feuding with one another over what to do with this new technology that came up, which was the cloning technology. And on one side, they're like, all right, well, we can use this to like, you know, free labor, you know, get the planet back up to where it needs to be. And the other one's like, well, you're you're printing life, you're printing slaves, we can't do that. So that whole thing kind of just all morphs together and the whole different philosophies that go back and forth. And really, above all, I really try to be silly with it too. Because for like how heavy all this shit is, you know, you need to step back sometimes and re- realize that a lot of situations can still be pretty funny if you think about them. Yeah, that's awesome. Like, I feel like you're touching on a lot of cool concepts. Um, I know the first time we spoke, you had uh, a ton of books planned for the series. And this is the big, this is the big yeah. one to launch everything. How does it feel to get that, this first one out here? Oh, man, I mean, <sighs> words can't even describe it like a lot of people have been telling me especially like um fellow authors like that they were stressing over this time but really it it almost feels like um almost like a calm before the storm like I feel fine it feels like a regular Saturday Hmm. but it's unreal knowing that within two days the closest thing that I have to a baby is going to be released to the world know what I mean Hmm. yep like a project that's been in my mind for years and I've been slaving over for years. I mean, I finished writing this thing, I don't even know, maybe like half a year ago. And like all this time has been me getting the editing down, getting the line checks down. I mean, like just recently, a couple of weeks ago, I had to re, had to go back and double check like uh, orphan lines. That's like when the, the quote randomly just goes to mm-hmm. a, a random line and there's no other words there. It's just a quote and you're over there like, oh my God. I already have it for EPUB. It's already transferred. Now I got to go to the original <laughs> format and convert everything back upwards. I mean, it's just like the biggest pain in the ass you can imagine. And then the book has about 25 illustrations. Okay. And not little things that go in between the chapters. I mean, full page illustrations. So even just that, and the, and the illustrations also have information on them. So making sure that all the information was exactly you know, coherent. Like one of the graphics I wrote, Omni Linen, which was like a, it's kind of like a, a morphing um, cloth, clothing, basically. You, like you put it on, you go into this thing called the hyper closet, and you can basically like choose the outfit you want, just more. So it just changes. It's like a Omni Linen, literally that, it just morphs into whatever you want. So in the graphic, I wrote it with a hyphen. And then in the book, like after like, you know, four edits after that, I took out the hyphen because I just figured it would be one word. And then I had to go back and double check on the illustration. So just like things <laughs> like that, all the little nitty gritty part, parts, it took forever to get it to my vision, but like almost to the point that like, you, you know, when you get to that point, it's like, all right, am I being too artistic here? Like, yeah. should I just be a little more regular? But like, it, it's worth it. You know, like I have the ebook done. I've looked through it. It is gorgeous. It is exactly how I envisioned it seven years ago you know what i mean i mean over the moon over the moon mm. to put it lightly yeah i know it's a it's a huge it's a huge accomplishment one congratulations because it's it's the biggest relief it's the, one of the biggest things you could possibly do actually having your book published and out into the world uh 
talk to me a little bit about uh, where you drew the inspiration for this story, for book one specifically. Hmm. So um, have you ever watched that show, Mr. Robot? Yeah. All right. So I love that show because, all right, can you, you give me the description of that show. What do you think that show is about? Well, I think that show talks a lot about technology and kind of the, it, take, it talks about the ramifications of technology and the way we as humanity um, interact with it. All right. Now you see, I completely agree with that. But if you ask the creator of that show, what that show was about, he would tell you it's about coping with your emotions. Mm. Now you're over there like, all right. And I get that too, but how are you going to not tell me it's about hacking and all this other crazy shit that you wrote about? So <laughs> I feel the same way about allegory of the end where like, if you were to give this book off, it'd be like, Oh, it's about, you know, aliens and about all this crazy shit and all the things that you would like want from like a sci-fi. If you ask me, it's about miscommunication. You have these two characters who, again, met each other and obviously are like cosmically like linked to one another. I think even in the blurb, I think I put um, something along the lines of, uh, you know, cosmic game of chess. And while the first meeting was innocuous, it puts in motion events that eventually, no, that link them for that link them for eternity and also put cracks in the foundation of reality which is, I mean, like verbatim what actually happens. Like there's no like flowery nonsense. That's actually what happens. They're linked forever now because of this. And because of miscommunication with this 20 year gap that you experience within the book, you see that there's no more relationship in between them. They're feuding with one another. And as you read not only this book, but you know, part two that follows it, oh, volume two, if you want to be technical, but when you get both of those fears of like both half of what these stories are and you understand that the full dynamic between their relationship, you understand that really there isn't just, it's not just Zayko being like, you know, this overarching, you know, uh, I don't even know, but like over charismatic, you know, like leader type of person, like, like, you know, dictator type of thing. If you want to think about it like that, it's not just him being extra and then Jid being kind of like, you know, too philosophical in the corner. Like they both have their shit. Mm. They both had points in the relationship that they could have reached out to one another and been a better friend, and they didn't. Both of them did. And as that progresses, it is what you really see that. And that most of that inspiration came from real life experiences. I had a best friend that I had known all, you know, from like elementary school onward. I moved to a different high school, but then we had planned while I was in a different high school, different state that we were going to go to the same college th- together and, you know, room with one another. And then, you know, we had slept in each other's houses for like weeks on end before. Like this, this was nothing new. Right. Yeah. But then when we moved to with uh, together with one another, we immediately started having like, you know, our little like rivalries, and our little things. And it may became like, you know, like a, a reality TV show. Right. Uh, <laughs> but then and of course, how I viewed it at the time was immediately, you know, it's his fault, you know, immediately. And he thought it was my fault. And that's how it is. Right. It didn't take me until a little bit longer. That's when the book started to come together that, you know, everything is both sided. There were like, while there were things that I didn't like that he did, there were, there were definitely moments that I could have reached out and been a better, been a better person, a better friend. And I didn't, and he did Mm. the same. And it was that realization that I just got fascinated with the idea of basically that of miscommunication and also what time does to a relationship. Mm. Yeah. That's a, that's a powerful message. And I think that that theme was going to resonate with people. I want to ask another question, switching gears a little bit. Yeah. What, do you, what do you think makes for a good story? 
Like you, if you if you see a good story, what is a good story to you? Like, what makes for a good story? All right. Weirdly enough, and it's gonna be a weird thing to like talk like uh, to bring up because it's such a like you know kind of shitty movie. Like everybody shits on this movie, but Fast and Furious. I was just watching like Fast and Furious Five. I was like on a flight, and it was on there. It <laughs> popped it up. You know why not? Right? Yeah. Why not? And uh, I was actually surprised on how tight that movie is. Like literally. It brings you up into a conversation and it's never the start of conversation. It's always like mid conversation and you kind of get what's happening just by like the actor's reaction and the dialogue. Like you kind of get the lore as it kind of like, as you need it basically to move mm. the plot along. And then as right the last sentence, they say like, oh, we need X. The next scene is X. There's no bullshit. There's no fluff. It is boom direct, like on, like onward. And again, while that movie does do a lot of mistakes and a lot of like craziness on, on that aspect, if you look at it from like a, a, a written point of view, from a plot point of view, that shit is tight. And there's a mm. reason they make so much money every year and year and people are, you know, lining up to go see them fight the Avengers next, whatever the fuck they're doing. But, <laughs> but, but like they understand how like how to move a plot. And like it's to me, it's what it's tight. It's making it uh, it's brevity. My book for as much work as I put on it is only 69,000 like 300 words mm. it's short and believe me it could have been longer i cut it down to that to make it as tight as possible for with everything that i have in mind and for the lore that you have on there i wanted to make it as linear even though it doesn't seem like it is as possible mm. yes it goes in between point of views yes it even goes in between ages of point of views so in total four point of views two characters two different time frames but still, it is a linear plot. The end of the chapter ends, oh, this happens, and next chapter is that happening. There's no bullshit. It just goes. Um, and to me, I think that's what really, like, gets a, a, a crowd. I, like, what immediately pulls a person in, that there's, like, that you have to keep reading. It's not something that, you know, you get to, um, like, there's great shows that you watch on Netflix. You watch one or two episodes, and you think it's great. Well, you can stop after two episodes and yeah. then there's shit that you binge right then what is that difference is that they keep you in there yeah i think that that's a, that's a major key um even if the last thing you just said is so true like you could be watching something you could be reading something and if they pull you out to a situation that's not tight or doesn't keep the story progressing in a way that makes sense it's easy for you to just bail like oh this is like something completely unrelated or this doesn't seem like it fits. A lot of stories do that. So I know that that's, a, that's like a major key to making a well-crafted narrative. Yeah. I mean, especially like uh, certain shows with like random love scenes. Oh. That like out of like absolutely nowhere. Altered Carbon does that phenomenally where it's like they're just doing all this like highbrow crazy philosophical technology stuff. And then out of nowhere, a titty. It's like, I mean, I like the titty, but... <laughs> what are we doing here yeah, it's like let's let's get this story going yeah. <laughs> i thought the world was on the line yeah exactly no we got we got time for titty so one thing i wanted to ask about was uh your publishing process uh you want to talk a little bit about your process where why you chose which platforms you're publishing to um and why what route you're deciding to go no you see now that one's an interesting one my book and again, it, it's almost why, I mean, volume two was going to be a mirror of volume one, but I don't think I'll ever make a, a book as heavily illustrated as I did with Allegory of the End mm -hmm. until at least later in my career. Because not only the amount of extra time it added to the publishing process 
to the point that like I, I almost like figured like man I wonder if people would just like the book now instead of waiting all this extra extra time know what I mean but also just the actual Amazon fee like my book electronically electronically I'm not talking about printing is eight dollars eleven cents for per book mm-hmm. if I went the traditional 70 percent royalty fee so that was a huge surprise to me because that's obviously like a huge fee I mean that means I would have to price the book like what twelve dollars even to make like a decent cutback so I had to go the 35 percent royalty route which is not something that I liked but it just because of the size of the book and what is in it it was the most profitable route to go and then you have the paperback version which is something I was just like dealing with now that again the formatting that they have it is that you, you can either take a 40% cut for just Amazon or you can take a 30% cut for expanded distribution that you, you put it up to a whole bunch of other people. So I did a little bit of research on that because I thought it was kind of like, you know, disgusting to take 10% off me for no reason. And supposedly the best route to do it actually is to keep that 40% from Amazon because most people that are going to go through Amazon are going to go through Amazon anyway. There's not even a point. But then you do ex- expand the distribution through Ngram. And through Ngram is when you put it to like everything else, you know, Barnes and Noble and all, all the XYZ because they keep it relatively the same. And for what you want, it, it's going to do the same, except that for your main bread and butter, which is going to be Amazon anyway, you get a 10% increase. So might as well just keep that. Mm. Yeah, it makes sense. I know that I know when you're publishing, especially with having images and illustrations, it changes the game when it comes to the digital stuff, which a lot of people don't really recognize, but that plays a major role in the price. Oh yeah. And just for any person that is like uh, getting their waters into writing, let me tell you right now, there is a a significant difference between an ebook version and a paperback version. Just in case you're you're at that process that you're like, oh, you know what, everything's done. It'll take me a week to do this. It won't. All right, narrator from uh, Arrested Development. It didn't. All right. <laughs> it didn't work out that way. I'm trying to tell you from personal experience and believe me, I busted my ass and try to knock it out in a week. It did not happen like that. It is. I can't say they're, they're two completely different beasts, but EPUB, which is going to be the format that most like Kindle and Amazon is going to accept. They do take Moby, but even they said it themselves after the, after the 22nd, I believe of this month, they're not accepting Moby anymore. Yeah. So e- like, EPUB is the way to go. Yeah. So EPUB, EPUB is the way to go. But EPUB and PDF are two formats and they are different. They're going to have to be formatted just a little bit different, especially if you have um, illustration. I mean, just off the bat, ebook does not require a gutter margin at all. A gutter margin is the thing that actually separates the thing left and right so that like, the book comes out like, you know, like in a linear format. You don't need that for ebook. I mean, so even just that is a, it's a completely different format. You would have to rehyphenate everything. So it's like, you know, all in, in line again. Just different beast. Yeah, but again, it's, it, it's, it's the beauty it's of different. self-publishing. You know yeah, what it's I mean? definitely it's definitely different. And I think like even just touching on that a little bit is is just details that people would never know um, in the self-publishing process. Mm-hmm. You, can you talk a little bit about your marketing stuff, like your marketing strategy? I know you you have a podcast. You you've been consistent. Um, I know mine went dormant as I finished my second book uh, earlier today. Actually, just finished writing the draft for the manuscript. So. I'm in, I'm in the editing phase for that. But you want to talk a little bit about your marketing process and how you've been able to connect with the community? Well, yeah, I have my podcast, AR's Tales, aka the ART podcast. 
I say that so often now that like I just say A and it's just like auto autocorrect on your phone. <laughs> I never mess it up now. I, I can like say that like half asleep AR tales, aka the ART podcast. Huh? What's up? What's going on? Bacon. Um, but yeah, we, like that in itself is just awesome because not only do I connect with like awesome awesome authors like you that do everything that you do, and I mean just y- your book in itself. I mean I know this is like tailored to mine, but your book when we talked about it blew my fucking shit away. <laughs> Uh, so just like, you know, connecting with people that are really into their craft. I mean, I, I love passion. That's, you know, mm. when I listen to music, that's what I like listening to people that really like, you know, care about what they're doing and it's like a craft to them. It's not just like a money marketing scheme. Um, but as far as marketing goes, what I've been doing is I've been doing a countdown for the book. So like I said, there's 25 illustrations that I put into the book. I think there's actually a little bit more when you count like all the, like prior little sketches and things like that. But I mean, I'm looking at one right now that I kind of wish I could just kind of like hold up, but my camera doesn't work, work that way right now. Uh, and what I do is that every day I release them. I put them on Instagram, I put them on Twitter and I just showcase people like what it is. And these illustrations are lore heavy. I mean, mm-hmm. people say an image is like a thousand words. So I like to think what 25,000, I mean, there's 25,000 words basically yep. in these images at least. Cause the way I, the way I made them are like, uh, I actually had marketing in mind when I first even thought of the book, just because each illustration really is basically an ad for something within the book. For example, I can't hold it up right now, but there's um, a technology called Hubpsych. And then the character talks about it within like chapter two, I believe, cause that's like a, his birthday gift. And he was like, you know, geek. And obviously that he got it for his like 15th birthday. And then right after that, there's an ad, like there would be like on a newspaper for the hub psych. And it's made, like, I mean, I detail, I think I can even tell you what, I detailed that after the 1964 Volkswagen Beetle ad. Like, <laughs> like I'm telling you, I'm not lying. Like I, de- I modeled it just like that, but like, you know, a little more sci-fi. And I did the entire thing. I added just enough information to like, let you understand what it is. But for the most part, it's like, it's an ad. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And then right under that, there's like a little ad for like a restaurant, Cam's Diner, which I, I named after my face. <laughs> you know, little things like that that just like pull you into the story. And of course, you know, eight chapters later, one of the characters references, oh, Cam, Cam's Diner has the best fries. Like just little things mm. like that, that just like pull you in. And I like that a lot just because um, it's one of those things that I don't think it makes sense until you, until you, digest everything know what i mean mm-hmm. like right now you might be seeing that it's like a oh, cool idea but then when you understand like what it means into the relevance of the plot and when the book comes out and it's available and you read it and then you double back and you're like oh shit okay okay and i like things like that you know yeah i think that it just builds your world it gives you so much more to like dive into and sink your teeth into and i think it's awesome too like the little things really count like there's a lot of readers out there that love to experience the tiny most minor details of your book um, and don't know like they'll look at the they'll look at the the advertisement and be like oh Kim Ziner was on there then they'll hear the words of like oh it's out here again like it, it just gonna it's gonna make people really excited um it's just those little things I think a lot of people focus on big overarching plots and I'm like yeah make that matters too but it's the world building it's a little the extra things that you do as a writer that really um, make your story um, count you ever read percy jackson like that whole like saga when you were a kid 
I, I haven't I never finished it. I read one of the books though. All right. I can even tell you what book they referenced it. In book three, I think it was uh maybe the golden fleece. I can't I can't remember the mm. but I know it was book three though. They make a reference to monster donuts, which is like a donut shop made for like by, run by monsters, like of like this imaginary world. And I'm telling you, he mentioned it. He didn't put an ad like it, like I did in my book. There was, there's no, if we Googled it right now, nothing would come up on Google. He mentioned it one time. And I'm telling you, the moment I read that, I was like, yo, what's up with these monster donuts? <laughs> what's up with these donuts? Where can I find them? Is there a thing? Is he gonna, you know? Yeah. I know his book just got bought, bought, bought out by Disney. Is there, is there gonna be a monster donuts in Disney? Can I go? Like my mind immediately went to that. So like, I know I'm not alone in that feeling of like when you're really into something that you're just like into absolutely every aspect of it. I mean, look at the jelly beans from Harry Potter. You can buy those. Those are real life now. Yeah. You can have booger flavored jelly beans. That's real. That's real. <laughs> <laughs> people yeah. are into that shit. People, people love it. And I think that that's a, that's a big piece of the story in world building um, in the plots in general. So with this being the first book in the series, hmm. um, what did you hope to accomplish with that first book in the series? Man, that's a good question. I like how these questions are getting progressively like more in depth. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I feel like I go the opposite in my podcast. I'll, I hit you with like the most complex thing ever. Just leave you like, huh? Yeah, you're that's like, so weird, you're like, you're like <laughs> when did the when did the values come from? <laughs> uh, but I think um, what I really tried to accomplish for this book was really again just to get the ball rolling to get mm-hmm. an idea of what it is. So, Give you an example. Book one is Allegory of the End, volume one. Book two is Iris of Mercy, part one. Iris of Mercy is the story from the point of view of Haas and Alice, who are two side characters in Allegory of the End. Mm. And I say side character just because that's the only word we have in the English dictionary to describe what they are technically, but they aren't side characters. The whole point of the entire saga, of the entire Death of Order series is that everything is just a point of view. You're getting a little snapshot of what is a much, much larger picture. It's like me taking you know, a cup around this painting and all you're seeing is this or that or that or that. Mm-hmm. It's when you see everything together that you realize like a huge tapestry. But I also made it in a way that they're also kind of confined. So Allegory of the End, volume one is book one. Allegory of the End, volume two is book three. But that is the end of Zayko and Jid's story. So if, all, if, if maybe you don't like the whole series and you just like Zayko and Jid, that's, that's your little thing right there. That's your home. Volume one and volume two. But then there's Iris of Mercy, which is more fantasy-based, not so much sci-fi, because again, it doesn't call for sci-fi. Those two characters are more martial art, more fantasy, kind of like based their story, goes down that route and explores that side of the planet. Mm. And then you get that. And if, if you like, if maybe you don't like Zayko and Jid, you like, you know, what Hazen... Alice are doing over here then you know volume one no then part one and part two are for you that's part that's book two and book four in the whole saga and then that is all introduction for book five which I can't release because you know that's you know you know how that goes yeah but then book five to me is really where the start where the series kicks off so mm. as far as what I aim for book one again it was just to get the ball rolling just to get like that to get the taste of the world in your mind like you know to get it like in your taste buds, Niamr, like the, that's like why I've been like dropping every post with Niamr, Niamr awaits. 
It's no lie. It awaits. The moment you read this book, Neon, like you, you just, you're going to find out everything that happens on this planet. It's not a little showcase. You, it's a planet. A lot of shit happened. Mm. Yeah, that's awesome. I'm like, you're making me excited to read it. Like, <laughs> I'm like trying to get all the details right now before I can dive into it myself. Um, I definitely want to know a little bit more about just the, the characters. Like, what was your hope with each character? What did you want to accomplish with each character? Because I know they're, I know you have a ton of characters in your story. All right. Well, without spoilers. No, well, it's not really spoilers because I, you know, I've been doing like the, doing the promoting route, you know. So I've been talking about this for like a for like a couple of days now. But I didn't admit it until this, uh, until my co-host actually of like this new podcast that I'm having asked me it, and I hated the question at the time, but I thought it was like pretty relevant now that I think about it. Is that if, in all honesty, the characters are extreme versions of myself. So mm-hmm. like. You have Zayko, who is like a lot more just, I don't know, I guess aggressive, who is kind of like a personality that I kind of steer away from. And then you have Jid, who's a lot more like philosophical, which is a personality that I kind of steer towards. But at the same time, the same realization that I told you about the whole miscommunication aspect of the book is that you have to realize that both sides have the yin and yang. Mm-hmm. So like if you're too much like Jid, you're not going to get far. And if you're too much like Zayko, you're not going to get far either. So you have to find like a nice little yin and yang in between like yourself and just like everything of the, of the book. So as far as the characters go, I'm happy that I was able to make two characters that are distinct, but like still, like you can see how they're, they would be friends. Mm. You know what I mean? Like they do have a certain yin and yang just within themselves that just like, goes well with one another and the, the you know the way they banter and the way they can just kind of like pick up on pick off on each other's energy without even knowing each other for that long i was happy with like showcasing that type of communication and i was also happy with the you know the adverse of that which was them having their little feud which like that's like um like have you ever been mad with a, fr- a person that you've liked before like yeah. it, it, it poisons everything like even <laughs> things that are good about them you're looking at them like oh you would use a a, a fucking mm. spoon with a yogurt you weirdo you wouldn't just slurp <laughs> it who does that like you know like just like dumb things yeah, like that angry like, about everything yeah like i showcase that as well when they're older like thing like things that have no reason to be mad at a person for but you do because you still because in reality it's not that you hate them it's that you kind of love them but you kind of wish there was a better situation between the two so you have that thing happening between the characters but then I was also happy that you know there is a love there is like lo- romance within the book but slightly not like too crazy it's not like I wouldn't call it a romance by any like degree but Jin and his girlfriend Rhea I mean they have a love that's like mm, yeah I can say that so like <laughs> When you realize that the thing about the book and you realize that like, um, you know, there's multiple iterations of them, like, you know, it's like, you know, there's multiple realities, you know, thousands and billions of different iterations. Zayko, well, not Zayko, Jid and Rhea are together in every single one of them, mm-hmm. whether they be two fishes in the sea, a dog and a cat that meet each other in like an alleyway, they are together in every single version of that, mm-hmm. of, of reality, every single one. But then you have Haas and Alice, who are what I would consider star-crossed without a single doubt. Like there is just something like there is without a doubt a bond between the two, and they always gravitate to one another in every single reality. 
but there is always just something that pulls them away. Always. They just never work out ever. And I was pretty happy on how I kind of showcased that and just kind of like the ignorance of like, because the point of view is from the guys. So I liked how I kind of like showed their point of view of like not understanding their emotions. You know, they're looking at this girl like, oh my God, she's perfect. But I don't, I don't get what this, this feeling in my stomach is weird. Maybe I need to go to the bathroom or something like that. Like, uh, <laughs> again, it's really, it's just, I'm, I, the most thing that I'm proud of is like actually showcasing emotions that I felt in real life into my characters. Mm, I love that. So I, I think building characters is probably one of the most important pieces um, alongside the world. The characters really are the people who push the story forward. They make you get connected. They make you want to keep reading. They make you invest in their in their even the most monotonous stories. If they're looking for something, like if something's lost in the story and the character is good enough, you're like, yo, you need to find this. Like I gotta help you find your keys. And you can't you can't end the chapter until they find those keys. Like I love that kind of stuff. Like you, you know what uh what recently got me? I just rewatched Breaking Bad and I know we talked oh, about Breaking Bad before. Yep. So when I first watched Breaking Bad, I would say I was a lot more in a Zayko mindset, right? So I was fully into whatever the fuck Walt was doing. Like it was always <laughs> justified in my head, always. But just recently rewatching, I mean, I just finished it, I would say like maybe a month ago of like, you know, going through like season one through season five again. And uh, yeah, Walt's a piece of shit. Like it's unreal how much your own point of view changes. Like you just see that everything, it's like, yeah, dude, you had, there was no reason to do that. Like yeah. you could have gone the exact opposite way and your life would have been way happier. You did that like for like evilness. That's like, that's the only thing just like, I, I don't even know what it's just <laughs> like, where are you right now? Like, where is your head? Like, and, but I love that. I love that a lot. Cause you could do the same thing when you rewatch Mr. Robot, especially when you like understand the end and you kind of go back from like the beginning, but it's, it's one of my biggest inspirations for the book. It's I, my hope is that you read it one time and you think that Zayko was a complete asshole. And then you read it the second time and you're like, oh, wait a minute. Maybe Jid isn't that great of a guy either. Maybe he has a little bit of dirt on his stain, on his uh, shirt. You know what I mean? Mm. It's not too clean either. Yeah, I love that. Um, so we're coming up on the end of our time. I wanted to give you a chance to, to plug the book, tell people why should they buy this book? Why should they pick it up? Why give it a read? All right, I'll tell you right now. It is coming June 21st, 2021, Allegory of the End, Volume 1, Book 1 in the Death of Order series. Outside of everything I've already told you about it, you know, the plot, the everything like that, I mean, like, if you rock with it, you're going to rock with it if you listen to this. The main selling point I can tell you is that you're getting something that is a seven-year testament of love without any bullshit. Like, I'm telling you, I put my back, my foot, my soul, my everything into this book without a single doubt. I, I've gone through the editing phases thousands of times, the editing phases of the illustrations thousands of times. I mean, I really try to make it even in contrary to my own profit. I could have made the margins a lot more profitable on my end, trust me, but I just aimed it to be exactly how I wanted it to be. Even the size, five by eight, I could have made it larger. Mm shrunk my printing side cost a little bit down but i like that feeling of five by eight holes in your palm you know it's like a good asimov asimov book you know what i mean that like you can just like crack it open on an airplane or like on a train or something like that it is a true testament of love 
you know, out of anything else, buy just for the passion. Because I'm telling you, there is, you will, <laughs> there's passion in, the, in those texts. I tr- trust me. Hey, I love it. And where can everyone find this book? Where can they get, uh, where can they pick it up? Well, everything again, all links that you need in life related to me, <laughs> neotino.net, N-E-O-T-I-N-O.net, all there. Allegory of the End, my Instagram handle, at Allegory of the End, A-L-L-E-G-O-R-Y-E-E-N-D. Yeah, that was it, right? Boom. I th- no, I think I messed up a, little, a couple letters, but you get the point. Allegory <laughs> of the End. <laughs> I'll go over the end for Instagram. It's all there. My link tree, which is link tree slash AR, AR underscore Mirabal has all the links as well, but it's Amazon pre-order is, is available now, depending on how this releases. And I'm assuming by the time it releases, it's going to be available on Amazon. So get it there. Ebook, paperback, hardcover. It's all going to be up there. Beautiful looking book. Honestly, I'm really proud of it. Yeah. It has a dope cover. Make sure you pick it up. Allegory at the end. I'm excited to read it. So you're going to hear me talk about it on this podcast more in the coming weeks. Uh, thank you for coming on. I appreciate it. Oh, thank you, man. I appreciate it. And we need to have uh, another one uh, on your end. I definitely want to hear more of the high council without a single belt. Oh yeah. We're, you're going to get a lot more of that because book two is finally finished and the ending is insane. There's a lot that happens. Oh, I cannot wait to write the end of volume <laughs> two. Oh boy. I've had that cooking for a while. I wrote that first. <laughs> Feel free to follow me on Instagram at Inspired by Jamil and check out my website, inspiredbyjamil.com, for more resources. Peace. <laughs>